The Motor Mouths, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9, The Roar of Memphis. You found us again. Thank you for listening. We love to talk about cars. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths. Yes, we're here to talk about cars. We're here to uh, talk about driving cars, talk about repairing cars, just about <laughs> anything related to cars. We're going to talk about it. Fixing cars, breaking cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we've done plenty of that. Uh, and I have had a recent adventure at the junkyard I'll share with you. and have a couple of questions actually for Bud on my trip to the junkyard. And I think it'll be worthy for you to uh, listen because you'll be able to get some insight on some things as well. We start today, though. Oh, oh, let me also say we'll have Matt Keegan with our big three coming up uh, later today on the Motor Mouths. That is the big three stories that you need to know about related to the automotive world. But I think we should start today because this week there seemed to be a bunch of recalls pop up. Yeah, the Ford, uh, what was it, Ford Expedition and the Navigator most recently. These I just saw get posted. Um, looks like we're... Uh, Random fires are what's on the menu for these. Uh, 39,000 large SUVs, the Expedition, and the Lincoln Navigator. It's funny, we were just talking about Navigators last week. Which one's the biggest one of Lincoln. those two? Is it the Navigator that's the, the big they're, giant they're, one? They're both the big ones. Okay. It's one's the Ford and then one's the Lincoln. Link, Lincoln's oh, your luxury, yeah, yeah, luxury gotcha. version. Right. And they, I guess, spontaneously catch fire. They don't know why, but there have been 16 reports and it was enough for them to issue the uh recall so much so they want you to park them but i would suggest don't parking your don't park yours in a garage or a carport <laughs> well, because it even they says they, it they're even catching says, on fire uh, just sitting there aren't they well yeah and it, it says here they, they don't they don't advise you to just stop driving them so i guess they're not as worried about it how oh, how uh, terrible must it must it be for the engineer they come in and they say hey uh you know a bunch of these cars are just randomly catching fire we don't know why have at it and uh, where do you start with that one take it all apart and put it all back to together again just, to try just to sit there out. and wait for it to catch fire you know and run some forensic analysis but you know all this all this talk of recalls is uh reminds me of uh the old the old bit from fight club take the number of vehicles in the field a multiply it by the probable rate of failure b then multiply the result by the average out of court settlement c a times b times c equals x if x is less than the cost of a recall we don't do one are there a lot of these kinds of accidents? You wouldn't believe. Which car company do you work for? A major one. In the movie, it's kind of implied he works for Ford. But, it's in uh, a movie, but I'm sure <laughs> some of those conversations the, have been had in real life. The Ford Pinto and the Ford Expedition were both a disaster for mm -hmm. Ford. and uh, Or not the Expedition, I'm sorry, the Explorer. In the Explorer. early 90s, the rollover issues they were yeah, having, yeah. bad wheelbase and all that. But uh, you know, no, the, that that I think that's actually referring to the Pinto that whole story because they decided not to recall. They would have had to spend eleven dollars per car, but it would have destroyed their profit margin when the the gas tanks were exploding. When you'd get rear-ended, they would have put just an eleven dollar sheet of metal behind the gas tank would have solved the problem. Ford decided not to issue wow. the recall because it would have the, the whole the whole stick with the. Ford Pinto was even you can own a car for nineteen ninety nine, and it would it, if they passed that saving on to the customer, it would have ruined their whole marketing strategy. And if they did the recall, it would have cost them too much money and killed their profits. So they didn't do it. And then the same thing happened. They could have put a seven dollar rubber bladder in the gas tank, and they chose not to do that. And they're still catching bullets for that fifty some odd years later. I don't know how many of you are driving around. I don't think there's very many, but Ford has also recalled this week the Mustang Mach E. 
says uh, there is a potential problem with acceleration. But here's the this is another interesting thing is every week we talk about electric cars in different ways. But listen to this. According to the U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, the 2021 Ford Mustang Mach-E electric crossover has software issues. So this recall is simple is uh, rectified by an over the air software firmware download. So and you, don't, that's you don't have to bring it in. You don't even have to bring it in. But it it it's um, the issue causes unintended acceleration. Oh geez, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Toyota Toyota Echo had that problem back when I think it was 03, They they had that problem where the cruise control would spiral out of control. And you know what's funny too? You know when I get an, like an update on my phone, I'm like ah, not now. I don't need it messing with my messing with my apps or making my you know changing up my phone and all that. I just want to keep it. It's working the way it's working. I don't want to yeah. update it. But it's kind of funny to think that if you don't update the software on your car, you might speed out of control. <laughs> yeah, that, so. that's the thing about these electric cars that, and it, it could be on any car mechanically or. Mechanically mechanical or not but right uh and it and to be honest with you there's not very many people driving around with those mach e's yet it says this is this affects 500 of them right i don't know how many are actually on the streets but we saw one for the first time at the memphis auto show right aside from the taillights it doesn't look very mustang like no the uh oh i got another electric car with a recall the rivian this this company just keeps getting the whole damn pummeled, man. company needs recalled it sounds it, like it, it's starting to seem like it yeah this one is what 500 had to be recalled uh because uh the front airbag won't de- deactivate you know you can deactivate it like if you have a car seat up front or something yeah. like that so it won't deactivate so i guess it's going to put your toddler through the the rear window <laughs> put your kids in the back wow. if you have a rivian but I don't think there's a whole lot of people around here that are that are worried about that one. I don't know what's going to happen with Rivian. This this company keeps uh, keeps getting punched, man. There's a lot of uh, just little recalls out there, and we could do this every week, probably to some degree, because Hyundai's got a recall, Kia, Land Rover. We talked about the Lincoln. There's a one though that is I think potentially significant, and it's got some uh, mention in in the regular broadcast news is a Mercedes Benz recall uh, on 2021 GLB 250s. The level sensor linkage on the rear axle might not have been installed properly. Oh, my. How about that? <laughs> oh, my is right, I, man. I, I'm, I'm saying that for how much it's going to cost these dealerships yeah. to fix it. Uh, uh, any kind of repair or maintenance on Mercedes is absolutely bonkers. And we hear about Tesla, and there's another recall this week issued for Tesla, recalling uh, 2021 Model 3 and Model Ys. The fisheye narrow camera cable terminals uh, terminals were incorrectly installed in the cable harness. Again, a lot of this stuff is just little things that right. is it going to affect whether or not the car can you know do what it's supposed to do. Probably not. Toyota's got uh, a recall of 2022 Forerunners, Tacoma Highlander, and Highlander hybrid vehicles. The load carrying capacity modification labels were not correct. So, I mean, <laughs> is it really going to make a huge? It's right. not worth going out of your, again. It's not that update that's going to send your car speeding out of control. Yeah. So, if the tag is wrong, well, okay, you know, I mean, that that may have some implications if you're going to sell it and they want to know specs on it. The, the spec sheet is wrong. I mean, I can see that. So, uh, but definitely that Lincoln, the Navigator one, is probably the biggest one. That yeah, if your car catches about. fire, um, exit the vehicle. I would, I would definitely offer that advice. But I would, I would, I don't know what it's even causing this. Like, if it's some kind of short in the, the onboard the engine computer compartment or something or do, like that. Does it yeah, say? engine compartment. That's like basically all they know is, yeah. is it's just taking place there. So, I had heard earlier in the week when they first announced that it that Ford was recommending you park it until you hear from them. But they must have found okay, it's not that significant. 
significant because uh, they're not now recommending that you park it. Just just have a fire extinguisher ready. All right, let's get into, uh, there's a lot of ways to connect to us here on the Motor Mouths. One of those is through uh, social media. You can reach out to us um, on uh, the different social medias. Of course, on Facebook, we're the Motor Mouths 989. We've got themotormouths.com, and you can email us through the website. And, of course, I'm on Twitter at Bud Motormouth. Uh, uh, by the way, our Rick's Powder Coating text line is always a good way to do it. So if you hear something ta- that we're talking about, you can reach out there. Rick's Powder Coating text line is 901-683-0989. And on that note, I have a message from uh, Randy from last week, and he just says, Hey, guys, love the show. Any tips on how to save gas with prices oh. so high? Uh, drive downhill. We'll start with that one. <laughs> yeah. Put your car in neutral and just let it roll. Right. Actually, I, I remember I remember my uncle telling me about, I guess, this was ages ago in like Popular Science Magazine. They were trying to find the most fuel-efficient way to drive a car. Now, I want to be very clear out, out the gate here. I, I don't recommend this. It's not a proper way to drive your car. But what they did, the way they were able to save the most gas, and this was in like a like a 90s car, I think, um, you would you you'd drive it up to about 20 miles an hour, put it in neutral, shut the engine off, just roll, just coast until it almost comes to a stop and then start it back up, drive it back up to 20, put it in neutral. Does, does that do any it. kind of damage to your engine by starting and stopping while you're moving? Uh, probably not a good idea. It's not going to It's not gonna do any particular damage, but it's you're, you're, you shouldn't do that. And also, when you think about it, too, <laughs> you know, you, you shut the engine off. You don't have power steering now. You don't have power brakes now. So it, it's not safe. It was just kind of a funny uh, thing I had, I had heard. But realistically, one, one thing that always sticks in my head, and there's a lot of pickup trucks down here, was Mythbusters did the test, you know, do you drive with your tailgate down, tailgate up? Uh, do you have, you know, you put a cover on it. What What's the most fuel efficient way to drive a pickup truck? And you, you know, I remember hearing, I remember seeing people driving with the tailgate down and I remember hearing that was supposed the aerodynamics to be aerodynamics. Yeah, but it actually lowers your, ga- uh, your miles per gallon. Really? Because what, so? what happens is uh, they had it in like a wind, like a wind tunnel, and they they kind of showed this. It's all by design. With the tailgate up, the wind catches in the bed and creates like a uh, vortex kind yeah, of, yeah. and the the air passing over the vehicle will pass over this sort of like vortex formed uh, by the air circulating in the bed. When you lower the tailgate, it stops that that like vortex buildup. Uh, I think vortex is probably the wrong word, but it's, well, like, it's like the a air, tornado. <laughs> yeah. It, it basically the air the air hits the tailgate and cycles back towards the cab and mm-hmm. it kind of creates this rotation that the air passing over the vehicle can ride over. But when you lower the tailgate, it stops that from forming and it just creates downforce on the tailgate and it actually oh, yeah. it, it, it creates drag. On the back of but the truck. Wow. The most fuel if they went back and revisited that one, the most fuel efficient system was remember the mesh I always saw them yeah. on the Toyotas. You get that like mesh. That the was, mesh tailgate. Yep. That was the most fuel efficient by like a, a small margin, but it was enough because it would allow you know air to pass through it, but it would still create that that vortex that circular of air. amount of air. Yeah, and and putting the cover on too. That those like those like solid covers, which I think are popular would would be popular around here because you can lock what's in your in your tailgate. Is it? Uh, does it make a big difference? Uh, we know that if you're an aggressive driver, you burn a lot of gas. But what about braking a lot? I've heard that you know, you know, don't try 
try to pay attention when you brake. If you don't, if you don't drive uh, aggressively, you don't have to brake as much. That braking has an effect on your gas. Well, mileage. it's it's more how you get to that. Because if you're if you're speeding up to forty only to slam on your brakes for the red light, you didn't really need all that acceleration. Yeah. You didn't need to bla- You know, and if you're accelerating towards a red light and then slamming on your brakes, you're gonna burn more gas. And definitely don't drive like I used to drive my Marauder when I got it, where every single red light you put your foot to the floor once oh, it goes yeah. green. You know, you're going you're gonna to burn gas that way. And no, I want to be clear, putting premium in your car that requires regular unleaded is not going to do anything for you. You're not going to get any better gas mileage or any uh, improved performance or anything like that. If your car takes unleaded, just put unleaded in it, like regular 87. We hear the most, two of the things I hear most are, well, drive slower than you normally do. Pay closer attention to how fast you're driving all the time, even around town. Uh, try to avoid heavy traffic. These are tips to save on gas. Try to avoid heavy traffic situations. Uh, a lot of starting, stopping, right, uh, idling. But the other thing that I've always heard, and, I, and I've always wondered about this, and you worked in a tire shop, is tire pressure. Make sure your tires are correctly pressured. That doesn't mean under. Well, that means both under-pressured and over-pressured, right? right? And I'll, I'll say this. Your tires need to be the pressure that's in the door jam no matter what you're doing. Like, not, not just for gas. I mean, if it's gas mileage that motivates you to check and, and uh, make your tire pressures the proper pressure, uh, PSI that they're supposed to be fine, whatever it takes. But it's so unsafe to drive with drive on underinflated tires anyway. But yeah, if you're if you're underinflated, there's more surface area of the tire, and your car's just not operating properly at that point. You got like I said, you got a bigger footprint, so there's going to be a little bit more uh, road resistance going on there. It, it's not going to be drastic on your on your gas tank. But again, if you're doing everything you can. To, to, to maximize your efficiency. And again, over and under inflating your tires is so dangerous. If, it, if they're underflated, your, your car, most cars call for 32 PSI. If you're driving at like 20, you're wearing out the sidewalls of your tire. And it's only a matter of time before that becomes a blowout. And, and then you reach the point where there's so much damage to the inside wall. If you hit a nail, that tire can't even be repaired. Because if I, if I pull a tire off a rim and there's, like I call it tire guts, like there's rubber sitting inside the tire from where the sides were separating, oh, it's, yeah. like, it's like creasing a piece of paper is how I always describe it. You're, you're low on pressure. It lowers the car and the, the sides kind of pinch out. And that will damage the inside of the tire. And then once that starts happening, that tire's junk. It's garbage. It's not safe to drive on. So your, your, your tire pressure should be appropriate anyway. But, yeah, it is going to improve your gas mileage to – Depending, again, that's going to come down to what kind of car, what kind of tires, and a lot of that stuff, how much value it's going to have. But there's there's no better way to be driving on your tires than what they're supposed to be. You know, we had on Memphis Morning News um, a couple of weeks ago a, a guy, a gasoline wholesaler. And I'll tell you, something he pointed out to us was I asked him about gas pricing, how it is that gas stations are all over the place with their prices. One down the street will be 20, 30 cents higher than the other. And he did point out. He said, "If you're doing if you're doing trips, um, or even in your in your town, wherever you are, avoid gas stations closest to the highways, closest to the interstates, because mm-hmm. those are typically asking for more money for makes their sense. gas." And I'm like, "Wow, that makes sense." And you know, there's a gas station right here outside our Motormouth Studios that's then le- that's less than a mile from uh, the interstate, and it's one of the most one of the highest. I can go one mile in any direction, and the gas will be twenty cents cheaper. I see that too. Yeah, I won't buy it here. The um, Gas Buddy app, I guess, is another another way to do that. The there's a bunch of these apps that we hear about. You know, they'll they'll tell you where you're going to get the best gas price. I use that on the on the highway when I'm driving back to Chicago, so I know 
okay, I can make it two or three more gas stations to this because they're all over the place. Between here and Chicago, you'll you'll cross a state line and it'll drop 30 cents. Well, that's the other thing I've heard. If you're going to get gas, uh, depending on w- what state you're going to, and you should know the, the tax rate in that state. And, you know, this is ridiculous that we're asking, uh, asking you to do these things or telling you to do these things. But it is the way where we're living right now uh, with the gas prices. Fill your car up with gas before you cross over to the next state, unless you know that that other state. And again, has yeah, having having that information ahead, of closest one of those to the state line, yeah. And then you'll then you'll you'll know what you're what you're in for. Because I've had it where I'm like, I'll go one or two more gas stations, and then the price will be thirty cents higher. I'll be like, I should have should have filled up two <laughs> gas stations ago. Another piece of advice, and th- this is this is sort of advice, and also I, I'm a little bit uh, crazy with this, but. I keep I keep a running log on my phone of every time I purchase gas. I always fill the tank to the top, and then I take the amount of gallons I put in there, divide that into how many miles I've driven since my last fill-up, and I can determine my miles Mileage, per gallon. Yeah. And it's, it's a good way to see a problem with your car ahead of time because there might be something wrong with your car that's causing you to lose mileage, but it won't affect the driving experience for a while. A good example was when I had that short in my fourth cylinder it was it was arcing every every couple of rotate every couple of rotations of the engine so i was actually losing power but i didn't really notice it until it got really bad mm-hmm. but i noticed my mileage was dropping before that happened so if you if you catalog how many miles you've driven you fill the tank every time so that you get an accurate representation of how many gallons you're using you can you can uh, divide you divide it and you'll get your miles per gallon. You know how many how many miles you've driven by how many miles uh, how many gallons you put in the car, and you can determine what your mileage is. Um, so that that's some of the tips. Again, there's no there's no magic remedy. You know, buy buy a hybrid with regenerative yeah. brakes. Yeah. That's that's another thing on your braking point. Um, some of these hybrids have regenerative brakes where you when you hit the brakes and Teslas have these too that'll charge the battery. It, it turns that energy. It turns that energy into um, into, into energy. It, wow. it turns that stopping that stopping energy into battery energy. And then um, also, also we, we were talking about um, the Rick's powder coating text line. We also got a tweet from Paul uh, talking about you can't get the you're not going to be able to get the Corvette in stick shift anymore. Uh, only the Camaro is going to come with a manual transmission, which goes to gas mileage. I've always heard that manual transmissions are better on gas. That would probably be true of cars in like the '80s and '90s, okay. but the the software in these cars today is so sophisticated, and with these like 10 speed transmissions and these continuous variable <laughs> yeah, transmissions, yeah. I am hard pressed to find a person who is more efficient than those transmissions are going to be. <laughs> so I'm not, and with these with these dual clutch transmissions, I'm not really, you know. It's it's not the worst thing in the world that some of these manuals are going away. Don't get me wrong. I love driving manual. It's a lot of fun. It's a great way to drive a car, but I understand. Certain cars, though, like a Corvette, I, manual transmission is, I think, part of the experience. Right. I'd be okay with the dual clutch transmission, though, because you're still manually shifting gears. There's right. just no clutch involved. Yeah. And the, you pre-select your gear. They're really cool. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and try to describe how they work on the radio. They're hard enough to, under, like, to understand just looking at a picture of them. Yeah. But they're... They're kind of the way to go, and I recommend anyone if you have the opportunity to drive a car with a dual clutch transmission, give it a go. It's a it's a great time. They're they're a lot of fun. It's you still get the. I mean, there's no shifter. The the paddle shifter. A lot of people don't like those. They they grew on me honestly. The more I experience, I I got to drive a Porsche 911 Turbo that had paddle shift on it, and that that was a whole other experience. Wow. So I've yeah. I've come around a bit. So I'm not. It's not the worst thing. I mean, we're down to like less than two percent of cars manufactured in the U.S. even have manual. 
Uh, so it's it's not going to be the biggest loss, but I kind I kind of get it why why well, some people don't like seeing it go away. There's also a safety aspect of that because most thieves don't know how to drive a manual transmission, <laughs> yeah, right? So if you got a manual, they're like, "What's this?" Yeah, uh, yeah. Or you see those like those valet pictures where yeah. it's, where it's like, uh, "No manuals, please," or they what they call it, the millennial anti theft device. <laughs> but you know, there's still a lot yeah. there's still a lot of folks that know how to how to drive stick. And you know, my my Jeep Cherokee is stick shift, and it's a lot more fun in the the big high up upright. Uh, I call it the jan- the Jankatron. You know, it's it, it's a fun driving experience. But I don't know if I had if I had a sports car like a Corvette, I'd probably. I'd probably want to go with something like a dual clutch transmission myself. I I'm always uh, I always prefer, especially in the sports car world, a, a manual transmission. That to me is part of the experience. But uh, we're going to go into uh, car show talk here before we uh, before we take a break. I want to mention the Jesus Spring Fling thing going on at uh, Mount Hermon Baptist Church in Clarksville, Mississippi, going on right now. As a matter of fact, all day today, the open car show, live music, food, door prizes. And everything you want. That is uh, the Jesus Spring Fling thing car show going on in Clarksville. There's also one going on in Jackson, Tennessee. The Blue Suede Shoes and Red Hot Rides. uh, 100 East Main Street in Jackson, Tennessee. That's going on uh, today as well. If you've got a car show event coming up uh, this summer, please let us know about it. We'll talk about it and let everyone else know who are listening. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths. Coming up, Matt Keegan and this week's Big Three. Faster than a bone stock Chevy Vega. The Motor Mouths, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. You can reach out to us here on the Motor Mouths. If you have uh, information about something we've talked about, a question you have, we encourage you to, to do so. Rick's powder coating text line is 901-683-0989. You can do it digitally. Of course, we're on Facebook at the Motor Mouths 989. We've got the website, themotormouths.com. You can email us through that site. And, of course, I'm on Twitter at Bud Motormouth. Uh, before we get to this week's Big Three with Matt Keegan from Auto Trends Magazine, I do want to remind you there are, we mentioned a couple of auto shows today. There's some that carry on through tomorrow as well. And I'll tell you uh, a lot. There's uh, one in Clarksville, Tennessee, uh, Oak Grove, Shelbyville, a lot around between here and Nashville. There's a website that is good for this. It's called MemoryLaneCruisers.net, and they have a whole list of car shows if you want to more details about them. I also want to thank uh, D- uh, David Bradshaw from the Memphis Street Rods. He's always sending me car shows. We've got one going on in, what is it? What is this, Peugeot, Arkansas? Peugeot. Peugeot? Peugeot, yeah. Any huh? Peugeot, Peugeot, <laughs> Peugeot is at the Peugeot show? Yeah. That's going all weekend uh, over there in Arkansas, and then uh, Springfest Car and Bike Show. That one's in Alabama. Gwynn, yeah. Alabama, that yeah. one's going on, and then uh, Destination Oxford Car Show in Oxford, Mississippi in downtown. That's also going on today. Coming up, I got a story that I'll tell you about my uh, latest adventures to the junkyard, uh, trying to repair my air conditioning. I ended up wanting to get something else that I found. I'm like a kid in a candy store when I go to the junkyard. But first, we've got to get this week's Big Three with Matt Keegan from Auto Trends Magazine. The Motor Mouths Big Three with Matt Keegan of Auto Trends Magazine. Number one. Take it away, Matt. Hey, guys. 
got some big stories this week, and let's start off with Foxconn, Taiwanese company that builds the iPhone for Apple. They've entered the car building business. Just this past week, they purchased a car manufacturing plant in Lordstown, Ohio. That plant once built the Chevrolet Cruze and was sold to Lordstown Motors in 2019 for the startup to build an electric pickup truck. Well, Lordstown, like a lot of EV manufacturers, is bleeding cash, and Foxconn is its white knight. Foxconn owns a piece of Lordstown Motors, and the two companies have created a joint venture to co-develop a new EV platform. What's particularly interesting about this story is that Foxconn appears to be heading, heading or hedging its bets. This means that if, the, if Lordstown Endurance pickup trucks doesn't make it to the market, it will develop new vehicles under its JV with Lordstown Motors. Moreover, with manufacturing space available in the plant, Foxconn has contracted with Cisco Automotive to develop a $30,000 small EV called the Pair. The name sounds crazy, but it stands for Personal Electric Automotive Revolution. Catchy, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Lastly, Foxconn to build vehicles in the U.S., and they open doors for Apple to build, bring its own EVs to the market. So Foxconn may build iPhones and cars for Apple. Hey, stay tuned for this developing story. Matt, this is interesting because we've heard for a long time hints that Apple was getting into the automotive industry. So this is kind of open to the door. But the stories I've heard in the past are that there's some mysterious test track at Apple's headquarters in California for these cars. But this sounds like it kind of has not a lot to do with that. Is it? Is it the same? Uh, who knows? Because Apple is super secretive. They could be doing both for all we know. They yeah. could also be hedging their bet. Right. The I remember hearing rumors about this kicking around, and they, they said what was weird is Apple and Tesla are treating car manufacturing like, like they're doing it like a tech company and not like an automotive company. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where they go with this one. I, I've worked on a lot of Chevrolet Cruises. Those were, those were wildly popular. They're okay at best. Yes. Yeah, so Lordstown plant is going to be repurposed. We don't know what's going to come out of it. I kind of doubt the Lordstown endurance pickup truck will ever make it to the market because the market has shifted so quickly in the last couple of years. Everybody's in it, including Ford F-150 Lightning. Yeah, they're all tripping over each other trying to make the best uh, <laughs> electric pickup truck. We just saw that Rivian had a recall. That, that That's a company that just keeps getting kicked while they're down. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. They're, they're new. So when you don't have that experience, you're going to trip all over yourself. Same thing happened to Tesla early on, but, you know, they got in at the right time, and you can't stop them. Yeah. All right, so what do we got next, man? Number two. This next story is strictly from our rumor mill pile. Typically, we do not share rumors unless we can substantiate something from the manufacturer. But this, this story is too good to ignore. Besides, what is better than a Corvette-based Cadillac? First, some background. GM did build a Corvette-based Cadillac from 2004 to 2009 called the XLR. It was built alongside the Corvette in Bowling Green, Kentucky, but the automaker sold only 15,000 copies during its lifespan. Based on the C6 Corvette with parts taken from the C5, the XLR had Cadillac's North Star engine. Uh. Fast forward to earlier this month, and an Instagram sketch from at GM Design show what most likely is a rendering of a Cadillac sports car. Now, we wouldn't normally put much stock in that, but the sketch was submitted by Cadillac's lead exterior designer, Robin Krieg. Krieg designed the Cadillac CTS, which is later the CT5 sedan, and was also involved with a radical-looking but underpowered ELR plug-in hybrid coupe. We're not saying for certain that a Cadillac sports car is a go, but the company's involvement in motorsports, particularly Cadillac racing, 
and Chevrolet Motorsports suggests that there may be something there. Since we're rumoring, how does the $200,000 Cadillac sports car sound? Pretty amazing, that's for sure. That's a little bit of outrageous, but I wouldn't pay any amount of money for anything with a North Star V8 in it. I know they'll probably know better this time around, but that kind of explains why they only sold 15,000 units of the uh, the old XLR. The XLR looked great. It's a two-door Cadillac. It looks awesome, but... It's a mean-looking car, man. but it's got a really uh, – Bud's had a lot of experience with North Star engines, and he's he runs from them as fast and as far as he can. Well, I think they're going to do it right. What they'll do is they'll just take everything Corvette and just put a, a Cadillac shell over it and then do a Cadillac interior, and that'll be the difference. And then charge and then an outrageous amount of price. Of <laughs> $200,000. people will buy it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's for sure. With that. I, wonder if I wonder if they'll offer that one in manual, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, what, what else you got for us, man? Here's number three. Number three. So this past week, we finally got pricing for the new Nissan Z. When you think of regionally priced Grand Tour or hot hatchback models, several come to mind. There's the Ford Mustang, Subaru BRZ, the Volkswagen Golf R. All three, plus several others, fall under the attainable performance umbrella, which basically is $40,000 or less. Two years ago, we saw the return of the, uh, the Toyota Supra. Yes, you can get a Supra with a turbo four-cylinder engine for about $40,000, but the most sought-after models have an inline-six and cost over $50,000. Yep. Fortunately, there is one new model that will arrive this summer that will start around $10,000 under the cost of the six-cylinder GR Supra. And that is the all-new 2023 Nissan Z. Yes, the Z is back, but without the numbers following. But the numbers we do like include its price, starting around $40,000. We also like its performance numbers. Indeed, the performance numbers for this two-seater are impressive. Here, Nissan borrowed the engine from the Infiniti 260 Red Sport Coupe and stuffed it under the Nissan's hood. This three-liter twin-turbo V6 engine makes 400 horsepower and 350 pound-feet of torque. Also, Nissan delivers either a six-speed manual or a nine-speed automatic transmission. There is no cost difference there, and that's an unusual approach for this segment. We expect that the Z will sell quite well, although it pushes the affordability envelope, especially with the $50,000 performance trim. We believe that after a two-year hiatus, the new model will sell strong. Welcome back, Nissan Z. I wonder if you'll be able to drift that one. Those 350Zs were all over the racetrack when I went over uh, oh, yeah. drifting. That's one of the most popular cars to turn into a drift car. You, so. know, you know, Matt, what I like about this Nissan Z is they didn't venture too far off of the body style. I mean, it is pretty true to the most recent Zs that we're familiar with, isn't it? Yes. In fact, they say that 80% of the parts are new. It's not 100% rework. So what they did is they took the, the elements of previous Zs and, and brought it together. If you look at the rear headlights, that that's a tribute to the ones from the 1990s, but it, it matches. It looks really good. It's a sharp-looking vehicle. I can't wait to get my hands on one. Yeah, and this comes in, you know, we're, we've been talking a little bit here on the Motor Mouse today about uh, transmissions. It comes in either the six-speed uh, six manual or the nine-speed automatic transmission. And a car like the Z car has got to be, in my book, a manual transmission car. I mean, that is part of the driving experience of these kind of cars. And I am super skeptical of any CVT coming out from Nissan. They haven't had the greatest track record, but much better than Chrysler's. But I'm still, I'd be iffy about it. I'd rather have the manual myself. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, so ZF supplied uh, transmission. They insist that they have their own mapping with it because I've talked to Nissan directly about that. Uh, we'll see. I'd rather have a manual. I mean, after all, if you're getting a sports car, go manual. Yeah. Yeah. We've been t- we were talking about that earlier too, and I'm actually a big fan of the dual clutch transmissions with the with the paddle shifts. Yeah. I've, I've drove a. I got to drive a 911 turbo with those paddle shifts, and that thing was a riot. Like I, I it was one of those where. You know, I was against it until I tried it, and then I came around. <laughs> That's the way you can go. always move your feet like you're shifting. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> That's right. Well, they got to put the uh, they got to put the headlight beam button back down so your left foot has something to do. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, Matt Matt Keegan of Auto Trends Magazine. You can find out all the articles that he's talking about and so much more. It really is a great location to get a good read on anything that's going on in the automotive world at Auto Trends. Org. That's autotrends.org. And uh, this week's Big Three. Good stuff. Matt Keegan, we'll talk to you next week on the Motor Mouths. All right, guys. Nice talking with you. Always good to have Matt on the show. So, you know, we were talking about the sports car Cadillac, and that kind of reminded me of something that I, I, I didn't get to drive anything cool this week, Ditch, but I do want to mention uh, something for our Sweet Ride of the Week. The Sweet Ride of the Week. So, in 2002, we had the movie... The Island, and it was supposed to take place like way in the future. It was mm-hmm. a Michael Bay movie. You had Ewan McGregor in that one, and they get into this ridiculous futuristic Cadillac. It, it, I looked it up. It was actually the Cadillac CN. Uh, this came out right at the same time as that uh, XLR. So this was a concept vehicle that never took off. It had a V12 wow. North Star V8. <laughs> 7.5 liter. It was like this Cadillac supercar. Damn. They never actually released it, unfortunately. But, you know, when they get in the car, you, you can hear the product placement. And he is, this is a, you know, $750,000 Cadillac and all of that. But, I, again, I, I would not be caught dead owning anything with a North Star of any kind, V8, V12. But this thing looks super cool and it's way futuristic and i do love like there's not a lot of two-door cadillacs so i I wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily want an xlr uh but the cn that it was kind of that was kind of the concept that came out at the same time i i I wouldn't mind having that in my showroom i just probably wouldn't drive it um a couple questions though about this because matt brought up in one of our big three if you may have just heard that cadillac's going to have this uh corvette based cadillac right right uh they build it on the uh the y platform they call it so, and, and talk about the North Star. Mechanics know about the problems with the North Star. Why doesn't General Motors know about the oh, problems? Oh, they do. They stop, I mean, this is all old stuff. They stopped making the North Star in the, in the mid-2000s, you know, or the late 2000s. They knew. They, knew, they, they realized, they realized the, I, yeah. the error. And for anyone listening who hasn't heard our earlier shows where I rag on the North Star a lot, what, the, the problem with the North Star was it was a V8 that they stuffed into a front-wheel drive Cadillac, into front-wheel drive Cadillacs, and it had aluminum heads with these tiny little head bolts, and it was not if, it was when your head gasket it was going to blow. The other issue was that it had like a two-stage oil pan and the upper the upper oil pan portion of the like the gasket in the upper portion of the oil pan was notorious for leaking and the only way to fix it for either problem was to pull the motor. So you're looking at like an $8,000 repair. So if someone says, "Hey man, I got this Cadillac DeVille, it's a 2006 with only 70,000 miles on it. I'll sell it to you for 2 grand runaway." 
because that is that is a ticking time. It only drips a little bit of oil. Yeah, it's it's a ticking time bomb. It, they'll they'll get so bad. Was it the aluminum? Is that was the problem? The, the aluminum heads with the tiny head bolts would cause the head gasket to blow, and okay. then the terrible gasket on the upper portion of the oil pan would go bad. Again, they both had like a one hundred percent failure rate, and you're you get Jeez. to the point where you're dumping a quart of oil a week into that car. I've heard some serious horror stories, and they sell these Why aftermarket they kits. Why recall the thing? Fix. I mean, that's a big damn deal to recall. Because you basically have to rebuild the whole yeah. motor. And they, they sell these kits where you can bore out and, and insert these gigantic head bolts, but uh, it, it's so impractical because, again, it's to the point now, these cars are 20 years old. Yeah. They're old luxury cars. The the electronics aren't going to mesh with anything you've got. So it's just it, – it's – not really worth it. So, again, avoid anything with the North Star V8. But I did want to bring up the CN because I thought the thing was super cool, and I love the movie The Island. It's good stuff. I am going to look next time I'm at the junkyard uh, to see if there is any of these Cadillacs there with those. They'll, they'll look fantastic, they'll look but you great. open the hood and go, oh, that's why it's that's, here. Yeah, that's why it's at the junkyard. I spend plenty of time at the junkyard getting parts for my 2004 Dodge Ram 1500. Uh, and I'll tell you, because um, it's it's got almost 300,000 miles on it. It's a 4.7 liter uh, V8, it's, I don't know, 250 in the horsepower department. Um, new. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever it is now. Um, yeah, that's new, by the way. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so, anyway, I've had a, a re recurring problem, and I call it the annual air conditioning problem in my truck, where it seems like once a year over the last three years, I've had to put in this new AC compressor fan motor um, that, that blows on the, uh, that blows on, the, right, it sits right next to the radiator. Right. And, uh, Without that fan blowing, it doesn't force the cool air into the cabin. Right. So when that fan goes out, if you're sitting at a traffic light or if you're sit, just sitting there uh, waiting for somebody to come out, your your system is blowing hot air into the cabin. And it's not until you pick up speed where just the force of air gets uh, pushed in. So I'm at the junkyard. I'm like, I'm not going to go buy another new one of these motors. Dude, they're only like 40 bucks new. It's yeah. not. A, but, but again, I'm trying to put zero new dollars into this truck. But... So I go to the junkyard. I find a 2004 Dodge Ram 1500. I didn't even bother to look at the engine size. Um, this truck, it was new to the junkyard. It had new headlights. The the, the previous owner had put recently new headlamps in it. So I right. got one of those out because uh, my driver's side is really messed up with the oxidation. I'm like, cool, I'll get that off of it. I got to looking at it. I realized it's got the fan motor I need. And it also has two front tires that are almost brand new, Goodyear tires, on what looks to be really well-kept, if not newer, rims. Same exact fit. The size was the same as my truck. I'm like, this is it. I'm going to take, I'm going to take, yeah, I came, I came for the fan motor, but I'm going to take the headlamp uh, cover. I'm going to take the, the whole assembly and I'm going to take these front. Well, I couldn't get them off because there was these stupid lock nuts on them. Oh, so, Yeah. Those, those are good to have, though, especially somewhere like Memphis. If you don't want your wheels stolen, they're pretty effective as a deterrent. So, it depends on who's, who's trying to take them, though. Someone who'd been to the junkyard looking at this truck before me ripped out everything they needed from the dash. The interior was pretty ripped up because, again, this truck was in really good condition. But they took the back tires off. So, evidently, the back tires didn't have locks on them, on mm -hmm. the lugs, but the front two do. So I come back and I'm thinking to myself, uh, I, I, is there a, is there a way I can get those things off without because the 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 little tool that you need to get that lock nut off, I don't know where it's at. I mean, I mean the truck's in the junkyard, I so mean, it, it could be in the little glove box, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it. You know, yeah. you don't know who's been through that car or what it's been through. So I mean, if you can find the lock nut, great. Otherwise, they sell these special sockets that basically have like 
a claw on the inside effectively. It's it's specially designed for this process, and they're a pain. You hammer them on with like a three-pound sledge, and then you can break them loose, and then you're going to spend more time just pulling the, the lock out of that socket. But that, that's the only way I could think of. Maybe you could get behind the... The hub with an angle grinder, but yeah. I wouldn't bet on that either. What about drilling it? What about uh, you risk, drilling it? You risk ruining the rim. If, okay. if you're really good with a drill and you can center it right and bore okay. through the, the middle of it without without tearing the, the rim up, then yeah. But I've never really seen that effectively. If you off. have a method, I'd love to hear it. Uh, man, you know what Bud's talking about, this special socket. I'd love to hear uh, more about your experience if you ever had to deal with this. Bud... Uh, oh, by the way, our text number is 683-0989. That's 901-683-0989. Your experience at the tire shop. What if somebody comes in with one of these and says, I can't find my, my key to that thing? Yeah, we, we, charge them, we would charge them 10 bucks a wheel to, to break hammer that thing, that thing off. Yep. And then, and then you got to buy a new set. Uh, you, you can buy sockets in like a set of four, so that's one for each wheel. Mm. But uh, we've also had it go the other way where people come in and they're like, you know what, my, my, especially Fords. Fords have this really terrible flimsy casing type thing that, 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 you know, it's shiny. It goes around the lugs, but over time they loosen up, they become a pain. There is someone in their car right now listening to me going, yeah, oh, my God, I've dealt with this. It's, you know, it's a total nightmare. Um, <laughs> it, it's a notorious Ford problem. So uh, you get people that say, you know, my lugs look like garbage. How about a whole new set? And you can buy a whole new set, and each lug will have will require the key, and they'll sell you a whole socket that comes with it. So oh, every individual man. lug requires this thing. But then again, those folks don't get their rims stolen as often. Well, so I, I do recommend those. You can get them for like 50 bucks, and it's it's a whole a whole new set of shiny new lugs for your car, and it comes with a special socket. But for the love of God, leave that in your car. When you take that to the shop, I have I cannot tell you how much time I wasted rummaging through people's cars trying to you know hey and then I got to call them hey where do you keep your wheel lock oh yeah it's on my it's on my bench let me bring that to you so now the car sits in your bay for an hour do your mechanic a favor hand it to him when you come in when you walk into a shop have uh have your mileage and your your wheel lock key yeah. you you will make yeah. their, they will like you and you, you want your mechanic to like you so go in there make their life easy please so i think what i'm going to do uh maybe tomorrow is i'm going to go get one of these special uh one of these special, special sockets, sockets. Yeah, they're and, not that and, expensive see, you can get a set of them for like 18 bucks um and uh you know hopefully those tires will still be there cuz i could use those tires and the rims that they're on uh, they look great they're in good condition by the way um, the condenser fan motor that I pulled off of that thing was the wrong. It didn't fit naturally. Uh, of course, <laughs> probably a I, different engine size. Yep, yeah, that's what I didn't look at. I'm like, but the year is the same. But I forgot there are different engine sizes. There's five seven liter Hemi's, and I don't even know what yeah. this thing had in it. I didn't look. But Courtney uh, from the uh, sales pit, she, uh, you know, we had her on the on the show talking about her heater core. She said yeah. she was having that same problem, and she's like, I thought I need to charge my AC, and I was like, No, it, it, your AC, if if it needs to be charged, it's leaking. You've got to bigger problem and she described the symptoms it was the same thing you're talking about sit at the red light and it's it stops air. working yeah, yeah so it's clear that's that's nine times out of ten that's the indicator your electric fan on the radiator is not doing its job and those go bad quite often well that's the thing this seems to happen every year now uh, this will be the third third one uh, that i've put in there well, so you keep buying them from the junkyard well <laughs> this one is new i've ended up just springing for a brand new one i put it on i'm like ah and if that one goes bad yeah then, it's warranty though it's got a, it's got a lifetime warranty there you go because you have to do some investigating if you keep burning up these fans there's probably something wrong in your in the <laughs> car's brain or something like that 
So anyway, now I got cool air in my truck, and I'm gonna this weekend uh, take Bud's suggestion and with uh, with this uh, special socket and go get those rims off of this truck if they're still there. I hope they are. Let me know li- if there's any Grand Cherokees. I gotta practice uh, pulling out the blend doors on a Grand Cherokee because the, to get to the blend doors, and I have this problem. It's a common problem with these Grand Cherokees. You have to take the whole dashboard out, mm-hmm. and I'm not doing that. So there's this sort of cheap fix where you use a soldering iron to melt the the passageways, the uh, the ducts, and just pull them out that way. But I don't want to do it for the first time on my on yours on my Grand Cherokee. See, so I want to I want to practice on a junkyard car. That's why I tell people when they say, "How how did you learn to do all this stuff?" I said, "On someone else's car." And it, and I say that I say I go to Junkyard University, and that's a a two dollar entry fee. Some of them are a buck. And you can, you can hang out all day taking cars apart, and they're right. not yours. If you screw something up, so what? You screw it up. And a lot of times, they're, they're parts of these these cars in the junkyard are already taken off, so you already have easier access to get to what you need to get to. Right. Uh, and and that's, that's how I've done a lot of work on my truck. I've learned on the junkyard trucks on how to take things apart, knowing kind of what I need and where it's at. Uh, and also some of the other tricks that I've learned, like with power windows. If I need glass, I'm going to actually get some glass for Max, the uh, other producer here at the radio station. Who, who, uh, uh, he's uh, he he's got some issues. And I, uh, uh, not Max, but a friend of mine, uh, I'm going to get something else for Max. These people, when they when they know you go to the junkyard, they're like, "Hey, next time you're there, would you get me this, this, and this?" Yeah. And so. Uh, I'm going to get something for Max, and I'm. Uh, he needs a bumper. I know that. Yep, a bumper, and then another buddy of mine said I need glass. So what, what trick I learned was is to take my battery from my electric drill mm-hmm. or whatever my power tool is, my 18 volt battery, and uh, and allig- alligator clips. And if you're getting glass out of a car where the window is down and you can't get to it, you take off the panel of the door and you put the alligator clips on the power window motor. Right at the junkyard, and, and that just will needs raise to run it long up. enough to raise it. Just, yeah, exactly. And uh, so that that's a little trick that I I've learned, and uh, uh, I'll let you know how things go with those uh, wheels next weekend here on the motor miles. Anything you want to add to the show? We welcome it. Six eight three zero ninety eight nine is our text line. Six eight three zero ninety eight nine. You can find us all over social media. We're on Facebook at the Motor Miles nine eight nine, and of course we got the Send us a message there. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. Till next week. We are the Motor Miles.